Well, hi, everyone. Welcome to the device segment. I'm super excited to be chatting with Hugh. He's the CEO of OxHealth. Hugh, thanks so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. It's a great um, pleasure. Thanks for the introduction, Kai. Absolutely. Uh, to give the audience a little bit more context of why we're having this discussion, um, we've spent well over well, a lot of time looking at the device category. There's well over 500 companies globally within this space in a, in a lot of different segments. But the, one of the companies that really stood out to us was OxHealth. OxHealth is not, it's an understatement just to call it a device company. Uh, they're going beyond just building a, a unique device that goes into a unique workflow that uh, both providers, both benefits providers and patients. Um, and we're gonna get into that with a, a few, some, some deep questions today about that. So before we even get into those questions, Hugh, I think you've got some great visuals for us to get the, set the tone, the context of, so the audience has a great baseline of what is OxHealth. For sure, let me give you just a, a little introduction to the, the market need uh, and what we do for our, our partners and customers. So um, I'm just sharing a screen there. Hopefully you can see the, 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 the cover slide there. Great, thanks Carl. So yes, uh, thank you very much. I'm Hugh, I have the privilege to be the Chief Executive of OxyHealth. We're all looking at healthcare and we all know we face a demand tsunami. In fact, in the Americas, we often call it the silver tsunami. And the aging population is part of that, the 66 million more elderly in the OECD by 2030. But we've also, of course, got a mental health epidemic. That tragedy is coming into more focus um, through the, uh, the current coronavirus challenges, which is very helpful to help people understand that agenda. Clearly we have coronavirus and it, in fact, it'll be coronaviruses. What we don't focus on enough, I think, is the nurse shortage. You know, the World Health Organization estimate by 2030 will be one to three million nurses short in the OECD. We're running in the UK alone 10 to 25% vacancy rates. And it's similar for the care professions outside of the registered nurse. And actually, if you look at it, you're running about 40% of nurses who took at least one day for work-related stress in the NHS, uh, the UK healthcare provider um, last year. So it's a chronic shortage because our current way of staffing inpatient and residential care cannot cope. We need to re-look at how we engineer the care in inpatient and residential care. So in a sense, this is both a hard problem and a very straightforward one. Staff complain to us that it's really a reactive care system that we clinicians operate. You find a patient injured and you're often repairing rather than caring. That's a human tragedy, that's human suffering. But it's also excess visits to A&E, excess deaths, and of course, an unsustainable cost for both the payers and the providers. So consequently, we know from our research, and we've been doing about a decade's worth of research in this field, you need proactive care. You need to prevent incidents. That means you actually are giving staff more time to care because they're not repairing. They're on the front foot. They're therefore more productive. The human suffering, the injuries, the hospitalizations, the deaths is reduced and the payer's cost becomes affordable. So you've tackled the tsunami. That's where we work. We know from our research that clinical foresight saves lives. We exist to give clinical teams the clinical insights they require to plan patient care and to intervene proactively so that they deliver safer, higher quality and more efficient care across both inpatient and residential care settings. In doing that, we're fundamentally helping to set a new standard of care globally, and we do three things. The heart of what we do is what I'll show you in a minute, our OxyVision platform. That's a contact-free uh, technology delivered as software as a service. But that's wrapped within the OxyHealth service, where we help the provider organization understand their business case. 
We help with training and support, a huge customer success support package. And we actually also help with ROI assessment so that that provider can not only check they've had the benefit they've paid for and pay us for every year, but also, of course, upscale their participation in our service. Uh, we also then wrap that in the OxyHealth Clinical Research Forum because we're finding that our clinical evidence base sets us apart alongside our service offering. And this is, of course, where we get new product development, but it places us at the heart of the clinical community. So let me now, internet connect, connection permitting, let me just show you briefly what OxyVision, the platform at the, the center of what we do, does for our patients and their staff members, their carers. So you're looking there at the optical sensor, the patient is in bed, there's nothing touching the patient, there is no bed mat. What it's looking at is the micro blushing in the skin and the movement of the chest and body to give it pulse and breathing rate. This is a class 2A cleared medical device in Europe with FDA clearance pending. That is the only device of its uh, type in the world. We're also looking at movement. So if the patient gets out of bed, we detect that they're at the edge of the bed. In fact, we then detect that they're out of bed and we can send alerts so you can head off the fall or other risks that they face in elderly care or dementia, memory care. It's really the full risk. You're providing activity reports to the tablet and you're providing high risk alerts. So not only the bed related, but for example, bathroom, aggression, wandering off. Those alerts come in real time, audibly and visually. And of course, there are then the vital sign trends. So really what you're looking at um, from OxyVision is movement alerting, falls, high risks, other activity detection. You're looking at patient reports, sleep opportunity, overnight activity, uh, pulse and breathing rate. And you're able to take not only vital sign trends, but spot checks. And just to emphasize, this is totally contact free. There's nothing touching the patient. And when I talk about pulse and breathing rate, this is medically accurate. Although it's contact free, you're getting an accuracy that is uh, as accurate as contact medical devices. The same as a finger pulse oximeter for pulse rate, and in fact, more accurate than any competing device for breathing rate. In addition to that, because the fundamental sensor is a very reliable off-the-shelf digital camera, no moving parts, a very little chance of failure, you get video opportunity. It's video on demand. As you saw in the picture, there's no streaming of video. But if you receive an alert, or if you want to replay what's happened in the room to ascertain the recent history, you can briefly see either a blurred or a clear high definition image of the room. And that's hugely important. And we have that feedback all the time that part of what differentiates us is that ability to provide video context, the opportunity to exercise clinical judgment on the quality of activity or movement, as well as the vital signs, of course, which is unique and the activity. Of course, what we're purchased for by our customers is proven outcomes and a fast payback. In memory care, uh, it's a great example of our evidence base. We've seen a, a nearly 50% reduction in falls. We've seen a 71% reduction in enhanced observation. So that is really work that you didn't expect to have to do because of injury or the risk of injury, where you're normally bringing in agency or additional staff at excess cost. We've seen a nearly 70% reduction in the need uh, for emergency room admission. And we're seeing a 50% uh, or so reduction in ambulance and paramedic attendance. That's just one of several of the, the use cases we have across our whole market, which is um, skilled nursing, care homes or assisted living, behavioral health, uh, in fact, prison health, and indeed uh, other custodial health. So it's really all inpatient and residential settings. And there's a range of business cases of which I've only illustrated one, the memory care one. What you find, of course, is that if you have created, as we have, this workflow solution where you're bringing unique data 
plus video context, plus intuitive um, modules that fit into the, the automate or uh, help you um, enrich specific parts of the clinical workflow. For example, the night shift handover, the safety observation, you become indispensable. So Tracy here in a memory care environment couldn't imagine not having the system now in place. Uh, it feels, we feel it makes us feel more secure and sets up patient safety for our patients. We get the same from skilled nursing, from step down, we get the same from care home. So we're left with a solution around the OxyVision platform, the service backed up by the Oxy Health Clinical Research Forum that now is becoming the standard of care in um, dementia and behavioral health in the UK and it's coming to be seen that way also in Swedish care homes and will be coming to the US subject to FDA clearance, we believe, in the final quarter of 2020. So I hope, Kyle, that's given you a bit of an overview of what we do here at OxyHealth and it's touched on a little bit that uniqueness you mentioned in your opening. Yeah, no, this is, this is really great visuals and I think, uh, um, thank you for taking us through both the problem, the actual product itself, the video, and then also the results of it. I think that's that's super helpful. Um, I wanted to jump now into specifics of the product and the process, et cetera. Um, the, the, the device itself, can you explain? So at a baseline, it seems as though you're, it's both an optical sensor and an infrared solution. Can you explain what this device is? How does it work? What does it does? Where does it go? How do you implement something like this in a setting or any hospital setting? Does, do you have to go everywhere? So lots of questions, of course. but I'll, I'll give it to you. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the, the heart of this um, device, this is software as a medical device. So all the smarts in the software, all the hardware is generic and off the shelf. So uh, what happens is you place an optical sensor, a digital camera, two megapixel off the shelf from a major international supplier. It's not that the, the, the software is really independent of that. Uh, and a completely commodity with infrared so that it can see in the dark and you place it in a container in uh, this in the corner of the, the patient bedroom. Uh, we have really fundamentally two enclosures, one for a secure setting where there's a risk of self-harm, where you, you, it, it's aggression proof, and the other for a, a more elegant setting. We are working luxury care homes, for example, assisted living facilities, which is more perhaps more elegant on the eye. But you place a, the device in the corner of the room, it's unobtrusive, uh, and it, 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 you, you forget it's there. You wire that with power and uh, CAT uh, 5E or CAT 6 ethernet cable back to a nursing station and a server which is on the provider premises. So all of the data, all the, the video, for example, that's on the premise, there is then a secure connection up to our cloud so we can supervise it, particularly supervise the medical device. But it all runs independent of us. You know, it's a standalone system that we can supervise and upgrade. Uh, and what happens is the light hits the camera sensor it obviously turned into bits and we can then analyze that on, a, on the local server with the software and it's really looking for fundamentally the signals it's a signal processing device so the software is looking for the sinusoidal waves associated with pulse and breathing rate and it's also using computer vision to identify the movement in the room it's then classifying that with our patented technology we have 24 filed or granted patents uh, and uh, then it's displaying the alerts and the reports to the um, clinician. Now the smarts therefore are in the signal processing computer vision but they're also in uh, the fact that this is I believe unique in having a non-medical device software package within which is nested this vital signs functionality because the activity um, 
monitoring is not a is not a uh, is not a medical device. So we have this uh, unique regulatory framework cleared in Europe and going through clearance with the FDA that allows us to innovate very rapidly around activity and movement, but also allows us to host um, uh, certified medical devices, plus or minus three beats a minute for pulse rate, plus or minus two breaths a minute for breathing rate. And it's that, that's, that's a, a huge competitive advantage uh, in creating this service. Yeah, I actually wanted to highlight that in my next question. Before I do so, I uh, want to go back to the first question a little bit. On uh, the actual imp implementation process, are you helping a lot of these providers? Do you, does your team actually put in this, this device and route it to their server? Do you provide the server yourself? Or how does that actual uh, process work in implementation? So it, this, the service fee is a bundle of hardware and software mm. so that we take away any concern that the local IT team might have around managing a server that they didn't specify themselves, for example. So it's an independent of their own network. It's very straightforward um, for them. Uh, typically, these facilities, um, the more commercial sites, will have power and Ethernet to the room anyway. So it's simply taking a, pulling that in to our, our device. Uh, sometimes they'll cable that ready for us. We then um, directly or nor more normally through a trained in installer, uh, someone will place the box on the wall and populate it with the equipment. And then we remotely provision it with the software. Uh, and, and bring it live through, a, we have a managed process, a, a certified process to verify performance of the medical device. So it's a very easy um, for the customer. It's kind of turnkey. And for us, it's very easy to scale because it's a, the in-room activity is totally trainable. There's a whole universe of people out there who install art generic cameras, security cameras, for example. And this mm -hmm. is no different. We've processized this. There's no smarts in the install. Gotcha. And uh, with that being connected directly to the server in the facility, there's never going to be really any issues with, you know, the provider being able to manage uh, individuals within their room. That's correct. Okay. So, yeah, so it's, it's a discrete system. Gotcha. Okay. Well, uh, I wanted to go back on the last thing that you mentioned, which I think is really important to highlight here, which is when you look at this category and generally patient monitoring, it seems as though, you know, some companies generally across the entire device category, some are more general like patient activities and then others try to focus on patient vitals. And you kind of do a combination of both, which is uh, I think a very unique, like you said, competitive advantage, but also uh, really important. But can you help us understand how you're actually able to detect things like pulse and breathing rate? And, you know, why are you focusing on these vital signs specifically. I mean, activity we can generally understand, I, I, I think is important, uh, but uh, why are these important specifically? Why, and again, I'm, I'm offloading questions on top of you, but uh, mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. all your measurements, why are they important um, uh, in the settings that you work in? Yeah, sure, so yeah, two fundamental questions, how and why. So on how, how do we detect the pulse and breathing rate? Uh, again, so the, the, um, when, when your heart beats, your skin flashes red. So you're actually blushing at me. I mean, I don't want to guess how fit you are, but uh, periodically, you know, probably, you know, somewhere around 60 beats a minute, right? So your skin is going red, your ears are flashing red. Any bit of visible skin is getting perfused. This is a very well understood science. It's called photoplethysmography. So if you've seen the finger pulse oximeter, uh, you know, the general physician will use one. What it's doing is it's shining a light and it's looking at the reflection coming back and it's counting the red flashes. What we've done 
um, in the labs of Professor Lionel Tarasenko at Oxford University, from which we are. Lionel's actually just stepped down as Dean of Engineering at Oxford. We've taken that away and we've placed it on the wall and using infrared, we can see in the dark. So it's very, that's the smarts in the pulse and the breathing rate. Established technology, but done remotely now at a distance. And as I said, that's really looking for a sine wave and just counting the peaks. Um, breathing's the same. Your, your chest or your diaphragm, depending how you're breathing, move. They actually engender movement in your whole body. So we've had people in secure psychiatric settings hide under a desk, under a big um, coverlet, under a, a, a big puffy jacket. And just the tiny infinitesimal movement of the hip has given us an accurate breathing rate on that individual. So any visible part of the body, no matter how thick the clothing, will give you the, the breathing rate. So again, you're looking for the, the peaks in that, that broadly sinusoidal wave. Did, did that, that, that make sense on the how? Yeah. Yep. Cool. So then the why, why do we do these three things? Um, activity or movement, vital signs, and video context. Well, if you think about the patients we're dealing with, the patients or the residents, so contrast the acute hospital. The acute hospital um, in, say, the, uh, the intensive care units, you have someone who's bed bound. Yes, you may, you, they may try to get out of bed, but fundamentally you can intubate them, you can wire them. So your ability has been well established for a long time to have telemetry. So that fundamentally you're working on a physiological set of risks. You're not really worrying about the physical risks because you've combined them. And there's a whole industry trying to keep you confined and, and look after you. Uh, in the community, you're not thinking about the physical risks because, frankly, you know, we can all go base jump if we want, um, but you are trying to detect atrial fibrillation, um, blood pressure onset, whatever it might be. And we've got a whole range of very cool things coming out around um, uh, logging your behaviours, using devices to wearables to try and get the kind of healthy or generally able population's physiological risk quantified. We sit in the middle. So you're inpatient, you're skilled nursing, um, you step down, uh, your behavioral health, and your residential, your assisted living, or your care home, they present both physical and physiological risk. So the, the elderly patient is at risk of falling over, at risk of wandering off and disorientation. Um, the the, the uh, behavioral health patient may be at risk of self-harm or aggression. So you have physical risk, but of course they're also, these patients are often medicated, so they're carrying quite often quite extreme physiological risk. We're very interested in their pulse and breathing rate, for example. But they also aren't tolerant of a wired device because you're trying to keep them mobile. The elderly patient wants to live free and the behavioral health patient um, may well use it to self-harm. So you can't put a wearable on them. You can't put a wire on them. You actually want to mobilize them. Uh, but in mo allowing them to be mobile, they present physical risks alongside the physiological. That's the problem you've got to solve. Now, if you're going to solve that, and what's interesting, devices and services coming in from community and the hospital have failed. Beds, mats from the hospital, um, wearables from the community, they're not working through. And so you have to solve that a different way. And we solve it by giving you these three elements. Vital signs, because the big pumps, pulse and breathing rate, are going to give you the core information about these physiological risks. The activity is there to head off the physical risks. But because there's a fundamental issue, because we've not had telemetry in these settings, with these mobile patients, we don't really understand the early warning signs and the risk factors. That's why everyone talks about falls all the time in this category. It's because it's the one thing that we kind of think we understand as a risk factor or an early warning sign. So we spent a lot of time and we published on other risk factors, early warning signs, and we're publishing a lot more on that. So because you don't really understand all the risks, you must provide the clinician 
or this care home supervisor with a video feed so that when your alert goes off, you can look in and decide whether the movement is risky. You know, I, am I worried that they're dwelling by the window? We might tell you they're by the window. That might be something you've told us you want to know about. But tonight, do I go in and deal with that? You know, they've gone into the bathroom. They're in there too long. Do I, you know, am I worried about that? So you need the video context plus you need the um, activities and vital signs. Does that make sense? Yeah, it definitely makes sense because I think this is the one thing that might be overlooked is the problem that you talked about how you fit almost perfectly in the middle of those physiological and then physical issues, you know, and um, uh, it's a hard problem <laughs> for the yeah. points that you mentioned, uh, which is also the reason why we highlighted you in this event. And we wanted to be able to talk more in detail about how this works. And thank you for that clarification. Uh, you know, what's interesting about your platform now is you seem to focus on trying to be less intrusive. Uh, your, your dashboard to help providers or clinicians be able to understand what's happening with their patients, uh, you start with alerts. Uh, it's interesting that you also provide the video as well um, to give more context, but it seems as though you, you really have this focus on trying to be less intrusive. Why do you do this? What's driving this? You know, what are our customers being concerned about being watched? Like what, what's the rationale for this? It's from the patient and resident group, because as I've explained, these mobile individuals within these facilities, often these facilities are their home, assisted living, for example, um, uh, custodial is the same. So you're looking to try and give people as much privacy and dignity as possible. And you're looking for them to be able to move unencumbered and unintruded upon. And there's a fundamental problem, which is because we can't, the staff can't look after these people and keep them safe. Uh, without our system, that actually it's a very intrusive regime. So typically in a, in a, in a nurse facility, you're going to have someone visit the room and enter the room to check that you're breathing, maybe using a torch or turning the light on, up to every 15 minutes. So mm. sleep disturbance is huge, but it's not huge because of our technology, it's huge before we arrive. So the, one of the principal goals of our customers is to reduce disturbance at night. And so what we do is we enable you to take a pulse and breathing rate and briefly look in. By the way, we never stream video. It's, it's on demand to someone who has the right to enter the room. It's very tightly controlled and it's, it's normally limited to 10 seconds. And it can be blurred to preserve privacy. And it's only of the bedroom, never of the bathroom. So um, you can look in, you can take pulse and breathing rate, you can confirm that the individual is safe and you don't wake them up. Uh, and so you actually, it seems perverse because you're putting a camera into what's seen as a private space, but people report having greater privacy and greater dignity by doing that. So it's just mm -hmm. one of those counterintuitive findings that great businesses are built on. The reason we go on about it a lot is therefore that that's what the staff need to help their patients. Uh, and also it's very important to highlight, we have you know, class leading security, we're audited to ISO 27001, ISO 3485, we have a raft of high security US, uh, UK government appearances, we're HIPAA compliant, we'd be business associate agreement ready. All of those things are taken care of. So we like people to know we've covered the bases. Yeah. Well, I think you do a good mix of both by being able to just at least give a signal uh, to providers whether or not there is an issue or if everything's okay. But I think it's also interesting that you provide that at least, at least a, if there is an issue, a 10 second video for context. Um, for that exact reason, is it something super serious or is it something that uh, requires intervention or maybe not? Um, I think that's it's unique, very unique. 
there is one other hidden benefit that people don't see um, that, again, we're, we're publishing in the Journal of Clinical Engineering shortly and, and our customers recognize is learning. So, I, you know, again, in all of these settings, the idea of a just and learning culture, uh, normally learn from the, the airline industry. And we actually we are actually starting to work with experts in airline safety to try and bring some of those insights into healthcare in this way. But if you, for example, very specific, if someone has fallen over, then if they've hit their head, they need one-to-one -one supervision, neurological observation, or they need to go to the emergency room. Well, if, you could, if you've missed that fall, or you've arrived just in not in quite time, in time to help them, you need to know what happened. Did they hit their head on the way down? What you need is you need a 20-second video clip or a two-minute video clip to see exactly what precursor it was to know how you care for them. Equally, if there's a more serious incident, you need to be able to look at the telemetry, the vital signs of the activity, plus the video, so you can learn if you couldn't have save that patient, what about the next patient? And so learning to underpin continuous improvement is not only um, a, a benefit of our platform, but it's actually what the clinical profession are looking for. And that's the other reason the video, in a very tightly controlled way, is crucial. It's like a time machine uh, when you put it next to the other data. Mm. Interesting. Now, what does that workflow look like for a provider? Is it they, in their offices, they receive a dashboard that allows them to see every single room? And, you know, what are, you talked about the videos that they are able to access, but have, is it something like this is easy to integrate with the existing provider's workflow? Yeah, it is. And, and indeed, if, you, if you'd like a still shot of that, Ben can get one over to you, um, Kyle. But fundamentally, what you're presented with is we always, um, we require one wired uh, device, um, normally in the nursing station, um, because uh, for the, in case of the failure of Wi-Fi as a failsafe. Um, but uh, we also provide tablets or, or in some settings, um, mobile handset devices. Uh, and what you see is an at-a-glance red, amber, green for every room. So you can see at a glance, uh, who's got an alert going off, who's got a warning going off, uh, and the status, in bed, in room, in bathroom, uh, you know, activity alert, edge of bed, whatever it might be. So you get a nice at a glance of your ward or your, your, your care home. Uh, and then you have the ability to click in and take other data. So you can have a look at um, the patient's activity report, their vital signs, and you can perform certain workflow tasks. So for example, one-to-one -one supervision module, uh, a night shift handover, here's how the whole ward looks. This is an ability to very quickly go through and brief in on, on last night. And that's where you see things such as discovering UTIs. My goodness, um, Mr. X has gone from popping into the bathroom once a night to going in there four times. We really must investigate. Mm -hmm. So it's a general overview and then workflow specific modules. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, and I'm I'm curious, and I'm, I'm not. You you've kind of already highlighted this a little bit earlier, but you know, are you um, and even for your customers, are they ever uh, concerned about the risks of being able to use your platform? What happens if your platform doesn't detect an issue that arises? You know, is that is that something that you're concerned of or confident that that's not going to happen? So we we are a sub complement to human managed uh, uh, work processes. So we, we assist clinical judgment. We're not a diagnostic and we're not a fail safe device. That's why we're a class 2A medical device, not a class uh, 3. Uh, so what, it is a requirement of our labeling that uh, you have a, an individual with a duty of care and a risk assessment process. So ultimately, all of our patients and residents will be risk assessed and there'll be a deemed minimum human visit rate. Uh, but what we're really trying to do 
is minimize the invasiveness of that regime, maximize the extra information between those checks. Uh, and, and that's really where the value comes and the business case also comes. Yeah, so it's really a tool to amplify what uh, a lot of providers are able to do today, but also reduce the workload that they have to deal with and also the comfort of the patient. Um, we've, got, we've got stressed and overloaded healthcare pro professionals and they need help um, to, to get better data and to, to be more proactive. Do you actually, you know, in, in healthcare, it's a difficult industry, not only the problem itself, but the product that you're building, but uh, it's really tough to work with providers. The sales cycles are much longer. And um, I'm just curious, how have you managed uh, that, that issue of working with long sales cycles or you know, providers that take a really long time to make a decision or maybe even lim much limited budgets than what you'd think? So I, it's interesting. We, we, we got the clear medical device in Europe in September 18. So we're two years in the market. Um, in our first market in the UK, our two key markets are Swedish Care Home and, and UK Behavioral Health, which is a form of skilled nursing and includes dementia. Um, we are now, inside of two years, we're in one in three English behavioral health providers. So, we, you know, when I talk about establishing a standard of care, I really think we're on with that journey. Um, so the penetration has been really quite astounding. Uh, and what's interesting is we are being, you know, they're fitting out whole facilities. So if you, if you, you look at our social media feed, you'll see Broadmoor is a, is a hospital. That's the, the most sophisticated hospital in its class, and it, they, they put us everywhere. So we're seeing large uh, purchases. We're seeing uh, kind of five-year terms uh, with auto-renews. Uh, and we're seeing it across the whole industry. And I very much hope when we come to US skilled nursing, we'll see the same thing. Um, watch this space. But in terms of the sales cycle, uh, we've learned a lot. It's dropping dramatically. I think it's going to settle at between six and nine months, which actually mm -hmm. against a, a classic enterprise sales business is not, you know, it's not so bad, right? As uh, highly comparable. And of course, what you've got then is, it's worth noticing that when you've made that sale, you've not only got, you know, your five-year contract with the possibility to upsell, land and expand. But it is worth noticing, they typically would change their ward policies to require the use of our system. So you've become written into the operating system of that ward. In a way, you are the operating system for the ward. So it's an extraordinarily sticky solution. Interesting. And, and for you in your specific space, it, what is that, do you actually have to implement into a existing EHR solutions or is this what is a standalone solution that uh, providers are just adding on top of what they already use today? Yeah, again, another great question. Uh, so it's a standalone system. We integrate out so our reports can be inserted into the EHRs. Uh, we haven't had any need to suck anything in from the EHRs because of the way in which these, these patients and residents are handled and their data is handled. Um, and to be honest, I see gentle increase in integration, but it isn't critical. What's critical is we're helping you handle the planning of that patient care, and we're helping you handle the, um, the intervening in that patient's care. Sort of some of the other things the EHR does, the medication logging, the wider medical note taking, it's complementary. It's to be honest, not that it's not particularly first line for the patients we support on. So I'm sure we'll, we'll I'm sure we'll enter into a deeper collaboration with our EHR colleagues in time, but it's not a priority for our customers. Interesting. And, and the actual workflow for a lot of these providers uh, today, is it just pen and paper? Is it just a, yeah. uh, interesting. 
exactly. These oh. people, you have to imagine a corridor with 10 to 20 people on, they're in bed, some of them could be putting themselves at risk, you've got no data, you're personally liable, and you've got no system to support you. <sighs> then we come along. We're giving a real gift here. I mean, that's a huge jump, a huge jump mm -hmm. from what the, the workflow that a lot of these providers have today. Oh, well, I, and it, it, at this point, it probably already seems obvious, but I just want to reiterate it just so that the audience has an understanding of what, uh, what really resonates with a lot of your customers. But what are the examples of deliverables that you pitch to these customers? And, you know, what, uh, what really resonates with them um, and the providers that you work with? Uh, do you mean in terms of outcome promises, as it were? Yeah, when you, when uh, when you're talking about Oxy Health and the, the platform and, and how it may actually benefit uh, providers, you know, what are some of the deliverables that uh, you can promise that really resonate with them? So, it, because it's healthcare, we, it's a, it's a, it's it's a, a mixture of it's a package of benefit, and so right. it's around safer, higher quality, and efficient care. So um, it's not appropriate when you're in a caring industry just to focus on the efficiency. And by the way, the efficiency is operational as well as kind of the crude dollars and cents cost improvement. Uh, it's all three. And so your, your, your customer is the, the nursing director or the chief medical officer. And so they do start from patient experience, which they regard as not optimized. Staff experience where they have turnover issues, vacancy issues, a nasty war for talent. And of course, then how can I, 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 I make my, my staffing and operation more efficient? So it's the mixture. For, for us, we come very much from the point of view of helping the staff help the, uh, the patient. And that's where they, they need a planning tool from actual early warning signs and risk factors. So the offer really is to say, look, we've got a platform that for the first time will quantify risk factors and early warning signs based in a very deep evidence base. This will give you foresight. With that foresight, you can do a tremendous number of things. So that's what one. Secondly, um, we help you in a very practical way with the change management, because let's be honest, healthcare IT has done some horrible things in provider organizations. And also you have leaders here who are not used to integrating a workflow tool because they've not had one. So this move to data-enabled care, what we call vision-based patient monitoring and management, needs support. So very sophisticated customer success team and it's very easy to slot in. And although you will end up changing your protocols, you don't need to change anything and you'll still get benefit. Mm. And the third piece is benefits realization, which is really providing them with some assurance that we're not just going to come in with some numbers from somewhere else, claim a benefit and then leave them to it. We'll help them actually assess their business case and their clinical case, write their board paper. Once that board paper's gone in, we will actually provide them advisory. We, we prefer not to do the whole survey and data crunching but we'll provide them with formats templates tools and advisory on how they can then check they've got the roi to justify moving their whole care system across to us and so i think that support on the platform at the ward level and on the business case is really what gives them the earns us their trust in order to adopt wow you make it uh, extremely easy and and uh, to participate in that process of, of um, helping understand in a lot of different ways how it might be beneficial that's really and, great I and notice you're going to step change and then every year because of the learning system your staff will improve their own way of working mm. uh, quite apart from what we'll ship you in terms of new product interesting
the I only have a couple more questions. You know, one is, well, you know, the, the, the elephant of the room is really how has the pandemic really affected your business? Yeah. And then, yeah. Uh, well, I, look, we, we're all suffering. We all know people who've suffered. So the first thing is, it's just, it's just, it's just a horrendous time, isn't it, Kyle? I mean, yeah. Um, commercially, I think there's two things. There's no doubt our second, look, we've grown ARR, annual recurring revenue, 5x year on year. So, uh, yeah, the business is, is, is very much on the S curve, and I'm, I'm grateful for that. Um, we, we lost a, a quarter's velocity. I don't think it's going to translate into a loss of a quarter sales. I think we're going to be where there or thereabouts where we want it to be. We lost the second quarter um, of the calendar year. Uh, really, the decision making process in our customers was really kind of just stopped because the boards were all scrambling to, to re reassess their, their posture. We are kind of making that back up in Q2, uh, Q3, Q4. Uh, and uh, so, so I think, you know, we may get a little bit of a, a nip on the growth this year just because the decision rate but i think we actually might end up roughly where we want it to be in terms of uh, the the longer term trend well i think um without being crudely commercial the, the pandemic's focusing all, us all on the massive pinch point in assisted living the massive pinch point in step down care uh the challenges of the the the, the tsunami i talked about in my earlier remarks it's focusing us on the need to manage um, infection control so we have an infection control module. You can mark up an infection risk. Uh, you can use obviously vital sign trends, particularly around breathing rate, to, to look into how your respiratory risk is looking. You can start spotting deterioration to try and identify infection risk. So we, we, we help with infection control. We help with um, infection management. So elderly care, um, mental health, um, infection control, remote patient monitoring, uh, the need for scalable systems and the staff shortage. I think, to be honest, they were all there anyway, uh, and it's bringing it into relief. So I think medium term, um, we're one of those businesses that that will be supporting the effort um, for population health improvement. Awesome. Well, I think you know it's such an interesting environment to be in, especially your position, because uh, the pandemic it has kind of a caused a mix of chaos, but also highlighted a lot of bottlenecks and, and can be kind of a silver lining silver lining for solutions like yourself that are probably should be in practice today for all the reasons that we discussed um, um, and improving healthcare overall. So I think, um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting, interesting position to be in. Uh, last, last question that I have for you uh, is, um, you know, what do you think is the future of patient monitoring going? You know, what, and what do you see that most people don't? So I think, um, you know, if we really look at what we're doing, I think we're creating a new category within uh, patient monitoring or, or, or devices where you place this for this, this very cool event. So um, we talked about it just now, this, this need to provide not only data through the platform, a workflow solution, but the, the customer success, the training and the embedding and the support, um, and then the protocol evolution as people use it more, how they can shift their protocols to take full advantage, you know, trimming their risk assessment stage or tweaking it, for example. So I think it's that end-to-end -end of the service is required not only to earn the trust of the customers, but to fully support them and to enable them fully to exploit the data. Um, and what that really ends up in is you need to, I think, within your category, your segment, really truly understand what it takes to create data-enabled care. So I, I believe, and we're publishing 
actually an academic piece on vision-based patient monitoring and management, Professor Tarasenko and the team and I, where we have really looked at well, what is the patient journey, risk factors, early warning sign, intervention, sorry, event, post-event, uh, learning opportunity, or, or indeed a tribunal or coroner's court. That's the patient journey. And there are only four activities of, that the staff do. They, they risk assess, uh, they observe, they intervene if necessary, and they, they, they improve their care. So we have to understand the journey and the, the staff, and we have to then look very carefully at the telemetry and the workflow tool that's needed to match one to the other. And I think people that have just got a technology and are pushing it can't help. You can't, the healthcare is too complicated. You have to understand the destination and what this data-enabled care looks like for your particular customers. And then you have to give this service of data, people, people training and protocol in order for your customer to exploit you and what you're offering. And I think that's the nub of it. And as I say, we have IP there as well as IP in the technology. Uh, and I hope, and I think that's what it's going to be take, it's going to take to be part of the, the standard of care, uh, which is where you really want to be. That's what, how, when you know you're really supporting staff as fully as possible for the patient. Awesome. I mean, it makes sense. Uh, Hugh, this is super impressive. I'm, I'm, I'm super happy that you took the time to do this. Uh, with that, before I make any closing remarks, do you have any asks or things you want to highlight to the audience before we close out? Well, look, I think it, uh, thanks very much for your time. I've really enjoyed it. I think it is a privilege for us to try and help clinicians save lives and improve healthcare for everyone, which is what our, our dream is. If you're an investor audience as you are here, there's probably one thing I'd like to leave you with is where I think OxyHealth ends up and where I think we are today with one in three behavioral health groups and, and, and heading that way with care homes and step down is we are clinical experts partnering with the provider C-suite to help them transform the safety, quality and efficiency of care. We're not pushing technology. And if you're looking at technology push businesses, I'd caution you on that. And certainly we, we stand apart from that. And that's partly why we, we win business. The second thing is we're trusted teammates. In fact, um, one, one ward leader, uh, she said, look, we regard you as the sixth member of the team on the night shift, the Oxyvision platform. That's the difference you make to our patients. So trusted members, of teammates, the clinical staff, helping them to save lives, to plan care and to intervene. And the third thing is I think you're looking to invest in what will become, I'm completely confident, effectively the operating system within these wards and these care homes. The, the operating system, the clinical operating system um, to these, these staff members that underpins 21st century inpatient care and residential care. I think we will not only be helping um, save lives as we know we have and uh, helping staff um, improve healthcare, but I think we'll deliver you uh, an enviable shareholder return. Uh, and involved particularly in US growth capital uh, funding, which is where we'll be going next. I, I'd love to hear from you and, and have that opportunity to talk to you. Wow. Well, Hugh, thank you so much for taking the time. I mean, absolutely impressive. Again, for the audience, you know, perspective, we looked at well over 500 plus, you know, companies that are part of the device management category. And one of the things that we're really impressed by was OxyHealth. And you heard it today, why you're an impressive company, not just what you just mentioned, you're not pushing technology, you're end-to-end -end workflow for a lot of these providers. And it's a uh, it's really impressive the features that you built, not only specifically with hardware itself, the simplicity by using off the market shelf products, but then also being able to integrate with the room, identify all these features about it, both vitals, both activity, and then be able to build a workflow around it for the providers. It makes sense, saves money, saves lives. It's less risky, cost efficient. Um, it's a absolutely no brainer, which is 
one of the reasons why we're super happy to have you here. So thank you so much, Hugh, for doing this. Really appreciate it. Um, everyone, please check out OxyHealth. Thank you very much, Carl.